All right, good morning. It's good to see everybody here with us at our main campus and also to those of you who are joining us online. Uh, we're thankful that we can gather together today. We're ending up our series, In God We Trust, um, and then we're going to be moving into uh, Palm Sunday, getting ready for Easter. So a lot of exciting things happening uh, here at Life Church. But let's talk about this whole, In God We Trust, why is it important, and uh, what am I hoping that you got out of it and what I'm hoping that you can then uh, carry into uh, our lives. So we talked about this idea that in 2020, there was a lot of uh, things that happened that we wouldn't have counted on or things that happened that we would have never thought possible. And I think for a lot of us, uh, things that we thought would never change or things that we thought we could put our total faith and trust in fell apart. Uh, at times. And so I thought that did a couple different things, at least it did for me, which was maybe I put my hope and trust in some things I should have never, you know, put my hope and trust in. Um, and the other thing is it brought me back to this whole idea of who do I trust when everything falls apart, you know? And so where do I find my peace? Where do I find my trust when things get outside of my control, which I think I've shared with uh, most of you guys before is, is that like to have somewhat of control of my life and what I do and how it all turns out. And so part of 2020 was you don't have any control, you know, over what's going on. So you need to figure out, you know, where are you going to put your trust and where are you going to put your hope? And so we did for the past couple of weeks, we talked about, so what does it look like for us individually to put our hope and trust in Christ and understand that um, we're not going to change that we live in a chaotic world. We're not going to change that there are th some things happening um, in our world today that uh, I don't know that, that, that it's completely reversible um, in some of the things that are happening, but we can know this as a church. We can be unified, maybe not in who we think should be president or who we think should be, you know, what policy should be or how the world should exactly run, but we can be unified in this. We have a mission, and that mission is to reach people for Jesus Christ. Right? So the church should always be unified around this idea. And I said in 2020, you know, one of the weird things was is I thought the church lost its focus right, of what we should be unified around. Because here's what we know, right? At the end of the day, um, there's always going to be things that we disagree with in the way things are going and the way things are happening. But we should, as Christian people, all agree on one thing. If you're going to change the world, it's changed through one life at a time, right? Like, we should agree that if you reach people for Jesus Christ— and you bring them in, and you teach them, and you send them back out, the world will be then what God wants the world to be, right? Instead of maybe what we want it to be, you know, so it'll be what he wants it to be. So today we're going to talk about that. We're going to end on what does it look like for us as Christian people as we put our trust in God? How do we reach people in what I would consider, and I think many people would consider this, a post-Christian generation? Right? So how do we reach people in a post-Christian uh, generation? And post-Christian meaning this. I think, and then I'm going off, I talk to a lot of people who uh, don't go to church or people that you know, have walked away from the church or people that um, aren't in church at all or people that would look at it and say, I don't really have any use for the church or people that don't believe at all. So I've had lots of conversations with them. And so most of those conversations started like this. 
I know about God, I know about the church, I know about Jesus, I just don't have any use for it, or it doesn't make any sense, or it hasn't really fit, you know, my life. And so I know about it, I've just chose to reject it, and or just chose to not do anything about it, you know, which is... For us as Christians, it's important when we think about that, because I think you have to understand, if we're going to reach a generation of people, then we need to know what the barriers are to reach them, right? So in that, we would understand that a lot of people have heard about the church. A lot of people probably have had some operating with the church. They've probably been to church at some point. They've probably been around a Christian person at some point. And so for them, they have a view of what they think Christianity is. And this is somewhat of the sad part. And they're like, I don't want anything to do with it and or those people, right? That tends to be the, the post-Christian generation, you know, of people. And so I want to use this as an example because I think all people come from a different viewpoint. And I'm just going to use some of my own views. And so probably for some of you, you can relate to these. For some of you, you won't be able to relate with these, but I think you'll know your own chair. So some of you guys' story, which is awesome, is that you grew up in a church and you loved it and your family experience was awesome and everything that you did in church was great and you gave your life to Christ as a teenager and life has just went perfect since then. Well, that wasn't my story, right? So I'm not saying that's, again, that that's not the majority, but I do think that there are a lot of people that go through what I did, which is I didn't give my life to Christ until I was in my 20s. And part of it was this. So I grew up in a church, which I think this is a lot of people's story. I grew up in a church. It's just my church experience wasn't that good. And the reason that it wasn't that good is so I grew up in a home where my parents made sure that I went to church. But part of the reason they wanted me to go to church is because I was somewhat of a crazy kid. So they're like, the only way to fix them is to get them to church, right? And so if they go to church and you get them religion, then they're going to get fixed, right? So I can remember going to church, and it's funny the things you can remember and don't remember. I can remember being in uh, Sunday school when I grew up. So here's my parents who come to church. My dad usually falls asleep in church, but you have Sunday school, you know, and you're going through this. And I can remember that the teacher walked away and there was a flannel board, you know, up there. And I probably made the characters on the flannel board do some things that they shouldn't be doing. And the <laughs> teacher came back and my Sunday school teacher slapped me across the face, you know, for you know, uh, maybe making some inappropriate things with the flannel board, right? And so with this like whole story though is then they went and got my mom and then, you know, my mom was, oh my gosh, you're so embarrassing because you're the kid, you know, did anybody else's kid? Like everybody else wanted to do it. I just had enough guts to do it. <laughs> Right? Anybody ever be in that, like, you're the one that everybody else is talking about it and laughing about it until the teacher comes back in and they're like, we told him not to, we told him not to. I'm like, you liar, you were laughing the whole time. Like, you were a part of it, but you just didn't do it, which it was part of my struggle, right? Part of my struggle is you're no different than me. It's just I do it in a way that, like, 
you're going to get in trouble for because they find out that you're the one instead of you hiding behind everybody else and doing it. So my mom, you know, is so embarrassing. You go to church and, you know, and this is the way you act. And now everybody in church knows that, you know, my kid is a bad kid per se, you know. And so I grew up in this idea that the reason to go to church is just to correct all of my bad behaviors. And what I found out was, is there was this legalistic view. So as long as you follow the rules, you're a good kid. If you don't follow rules, you're a bad kid. And so part of church was helping you follow the rules. So I just learned to be like everybody else. I learned to be a good liar, right? This is what I learned. I'm like, I can fix this problem. I can be like the rest of you. I don't know anything about it. Because here's what I learned is, is that as long as you lie, you can keep a perception up of you and the people around you that, that nobody else is going to punish you for. And so when you grew up in this legalistic type chair or legalistic piece, you learn to just be a good liar or manipulator or just get around the system. So for me, I'm like, church really didn't have any answers for me to make me a better kid. And so growing up, I was like, I'm going to go because it keeps everybody happy. But at the end of the day, you know, this whole legalistic approach to Christianity didn't work for me and it wasn't making me any better. And then as I got older, I came to this place where I started to actually look at what are they actually talking about? And so anybody ever a part of like, you're listening to somebody preach something out of the Bible and you're like, that made zero sense. Right? Like you're sitting there and you're like, I know that he just talked for like 25 minutes, but I have zero idea because it had no, it made no sense to me what he was teaching. Like it didn't apply to my life at all. Like I might be able to know more about the Bible. I might be able to know that he was preaching out a certain part of the Bible, but how I was supposed to take that and make it work in my life never made sense. And so I looked at a preacher who couldn't make it make any sense. And then I thought, well, maybe my parents could, and they didn't either, right? So you would go to church on Sunday, and they would make you go to church on Sunday. But then if you tried to watch them live it out, anybody else? Like you'd be like, I don't see it here either. So this doesn't even make any sense to me. So I'm like, okay, legalism doesn't work for me, right? So legalism doesn't work. I don't have, have any idea how to apply this to my life because it doesn't make any sense in the real world on how to get it done. And I'm trying to look at examples of people and nobody uh, that I was around at the time gave me an example of like, oh, this is what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Like, this is how you live and this is how you take the Bible and this is how you make it work. And, and then I got to the place where... Um, so then it was like, well, maybe I should, you know, start to get back and get involved and do more. Maybe I should, you know, go back to the church. I think I told you guys the story of I wanted to marry Sherry, so she said I had to go to church. And I'm like, whatever. You know, if I get to marry you, I'm going to church. You know, I don't really care about the rest of it, but if I get to marry you. So then you go to the church, and you know how the church in a small town knows everything that you do? Anybody ever grow up like this? And so then when you come walking in after the weekend rager, you know, and everybody heard about it, and then you come walking in, and everybody's kind of sitting there like, hmm, we heard about 
you know, whatever it was, like whether you got your party busted or something happened and then all of a sudden you were shamed because you weren't, like they didn't come out and say, like you're such a disgrace to the world, but you know what I mean when people could give you the look and make you feel like you're a disgrace to the world or people who would talk to you before be like, they'd come up to you and they'd be like, I'm so disappointed in you. <laughs> like, really? Like, you've never talked to me before, but all of a sudden, you know, you're disappointed. Like, you have zero relationship with me, but you're disappointed in me. And so, again, I got to this place where part of my theory of or understanding, like, I want to become a Christian didn't make any sense. It didn't, the legalistic part wasn't making me better. You know, the idea that I couldn't see living faith didn't make any sense to me. Like, I couldn't figure it out where this made sense to me. And then when I did want to try to figure it out, because I couldn't get my life right, you know, I didn't do things right, you tend to be looked at as kind of the black sheep of all of it. And I don't know if any of you guys can relate with any of these chairs, because I think each one of you might have your own chair, right, of like, this is where you came from, and you might know somebody that's sitting in one of these chairs. They're in this post-Christian idea of like, I don't know, you know, I get it, I went to church, I grew up to church, I grew up in church, I went away to go to college, and now, or I went to high school, you know, and now that I'm in high school and have my freedoms, like, things aren't as like, I want to come and be a part of it anymore, whatever that is. So what do we do? So what is it that Christian people, or what do we as a Christian church need to do, and what is it that's going to reach these people, right? What is it that's going to help us be able to take a generation of people and be able to reach them? Are we on the, are we good? Yeah. So I don't, like I said, whether you do or don't relate with these things, I wanted you to see it from my story or my uh, perspective, because again, I think each one of you has this. So if you have a Bible, turn to John 1. So we're going to be looking at John 1, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 14. So verses 1 through 14. So John 1 is talking about this. Here's the idea. So John's talking about this idea of here is God who is going to become flesh through Jesus Christ, right? And he's saying from the beginning, Jesus was here and that he's going to become flesh. So any of you guys that are having a hard time connecting the dots of what it means to be in a relationship with Christ, if you want to be able to connect the dots, here's what connecting the dots looks like. Then he goes into, and, and we're going to spend a lot of time looking at verse 14 when he talks about that when Jesus did come, this is what he came for and this is what he was about. And I think that will help us recognize what uh, reaching a post-Christian generation is. So this is starting in John 1. Uh, verse one. So it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing uh, was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So in the beginning, just to kind of give you, you know, what they're talking about. So when it says, in the beginning, the word was the word and the word was with God, that's Jesus. That's what he's talking about. So in the beginning, Jesus was with God, right? So in the beginning, he was a part of creation. In the beginning, he was a part of uh, everything that was going on. And he will be the light into a dark world. Then verse 6 says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. 
He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only to witness to the light. So that's John the Baptist. So John the Baptist came. He was the one saying Jesus is coming. This is what Jesus is coming to, to be, the light into the world. And so people at times were confusing John the Baptist with Jesus. So he says he is not Jesus, but he's the one who's going to be proclaiming that Jesus is coming. Then verse 9 says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in, he was in the world and through the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born out of natural descent, uh, Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made its dwelling among us. He have, we have seen his glory and the glory of the one and only son who came from the father. And this is the key part that we're going to spend time on. Full of grace and truth. Right? So he was full of grace and truth. So it says Jesus came into the world, something that we all recognize. We're going to be talking about it through the Easter season. People didn't accept him, so Jesus came. People around him didn't recognize him as Jesus, and so then, you know, they rejected him. But then he came as flesh, lived in the world so that people wanted to know who is God. They could say, look at Jesus. This is who God is. And he said he came full of grace and full of Truth. Now, here's the important part about that. So for us to be able to reach a post-Christian generation, we have to understand what does it mean to be full of both grace and truth, right? It can't be half full, it can't be three-quarters full, but full of, which would mean this. When people ran into Jesus, this is the funny thing about Scripture. When people ran into Jesus that were post-Christian, people who had not fit in with the Jewish society, who had not made it, you know, people who were outcasts, people who, you know, weren't accepted by other people. When they ran into Jesus, they loved him, right? Like if you read throughout scripture, people who were not in the norm, people who sitting, are sitting in these chairs who didn't fit into the normal society of what it looked like to be a Jew at the time, they ran into Jesus and again, they loved him. And the reason that they loved him is because when they ran into him, what came out of him, just like taking a glass that's full, if you hit it, it overflows, right? It spills out. So just being in relationship with Jesus, what overflowed from him was grace and truth. Now, Let's talk about the problem then in Christian society of why we aren't the same way, right? Like, I think this is part of the problem. We should be like Jesus, full of grace and truth, where people who run into us, it just comes out of us, and when they see us, they see Jesus, and they're like, oh man, this makes sense. But the problem has been is we've lived on both extremes, right? So we've lived on the extreme of all truth, right? That was this chair. You know, do you understand the truth? And if you don't understand the truth, you're a bad person. And until you understand the truth, you know, you can't be a part of us, right? This legalistic approach that would say, until you can follow all the rules, until you can get your life right, until you can make all the right decisions, until you can stop doing bad things, you know, you can't be accepted into this group, which again, 
Was it true that I shouldn't be making weird things happen on a flannel board? Yes. Some of you are like, no, why not? Like that's, no, like it, again, the truth is, should I have not been doing the things that I was doing? Should I have not been getting drunk in high school? Should I have not been doing those types of things? Like, right? Right. I shouldn't be doing it, right? Like, shouldn't be going down that road. But the way that it was handled is all truth. Like, let me remind you, anybody ever been like, let me remind you how bad you are. If you need any reminder, just sit down with me and I'll remind you, right, of all of the bad things that you do. Have everybody, anybody ever been in a relationship with like that, where it's like the most time they spend with you and they think this is going to help you by telling you how bad you are or reminding you of all the times you mess up? A couple people. I've been in those, yeah, I've been in those relationships where like you sit down with them and they think the idea is, well, if I just tell you all of the things that you do wrong, somehow just in the, you're going to be like, oh, thank the Lord. Thanks for reminding me how bad I was. Now I'm going to become good. Right? But that's what happens when we as Christian people live in the all truth. I think we believe at times if we just tell everybody that they're going to hell and how bad they are, I mean, all of a sudden, the churches are going to be full. So why don't we just stand on the street corners and put up billboards and let people know that turn and burn or, you know, like, hey, if you know the lifestyle that you're living in, it's going to make you go to hell. Like, do we think that's what's going to change the lives of people? Like, just let me remind you, because I know other people have, but let me remind you that if you continue in that lifestyle, you're for sure going to hell. Has that been helpful? Now, again, don't get this wrong. Does the Bible say that some of those behaviors are sin? Yeah, for sure. Again, it's we're sitting there like, but you mean I'm not supposed to say, you know, tell people that they're doing anything wrong? I'm like, no, listen, we're going to get there. But over here, when you live in the all-truth world, right, if it's all truth without grace, it leads to rebellion. Okay, all truth without grace leads to rebellion. If you don't believe me, try to raise your kids that way. Because if you try to raise your kids in this idea of all truth without grace, <laughs> they're going another way. They'll figure out a way to get around you. You know, I told you that, you know, uh, when I was growing up, I, I said, you know, I learned to be a good liar because here was the deal. You know, if you got in trouble with mom, it was bad. But if you got in trouble with dad, it was the belt. You know what I mean? That was way back when. I know you're probably not allowed to do that anymore. But back then, it was like if you get in trouble in school or you do something, you know, or they find out about something, it's like there wasn't going to be like, I'm going to help you work through it and help you figure it out. It just was there's no talking, you just go in, bend over, and the belt's coming, right? There was no relationship in the idea of like, let's try to figure out why you keep making these stupid decisions. You know what I mean? Let's try to figure, it doesn't mean that the discipline was wrong, but the discipline without relationship led to rebellion, right? And that's what happens when we raise our kids. Well, is it any different inside of the church when we sit there and say, you know, your lifestyle and the things that you're doing and the way that you're going, it has just led to rebellion. People like, I can't live up to it. You know, they might be sitting in this chair. I've been reminded by the church of all the things that I do wrong. So why would I ever come until I get it right? 
right? Why would I ever be a part of life inside of the church if I'm still making mistakes or not doing the things that I need to do? So we need to be a church that would understand that we can't be the extreme, all truth. Now, the same extreme happens, and this is, I think you see this. So a long time ago, it was all truth, and everybody's like, wow, this ain't working. Everybody's leaving the church. So let's be all grace, you know? So all grace, meaning that it doesn't even really matter what you do, you know? Just know that God loves you, and heck, someday you'll get it figured out, you know, and we'll just keep going down this road, and we don't really need, and truth, I mean, what is truth, really? You heard this in the younger generation, like, what is really truth? I mean, is the Bible really truth, or is this truth? And so we've leaned on this side of all grace, which all grace re, uh, leads to, so all truth leads to rebellion, all grace leads to relativism. So this idea that truth is relative, meaning that whatever you want truth to be is relative to your situation, right? So you come up with this idea that you're going to believe that this is going to be true. Why do you believe this is true? Because it fits me, right? And so what do you see inside of the church today? Churches that have went away from saying, well, this is what the Bible says is truth. And so we're going to just make it relative to the people that are here because the, the, the biggest thing we got to do is just make sure that everybody understands in this church that God loves you, right? And so as long as you walk out of here with the warm and fuzzies, the church did its job. I'm like, that's a terrible idea, right? It's a terrible idea to somehow give people warm and fuzzies that when they stand in front of Jesus, they ain't warm and fuzzy anymore, right? Like now they're standing in front of Jesus and Jesus is saying, well, this was the truth. And they're like, well, wait a second. I went to church and I was around people and they never talked about that or they never went down that road. And so again, how do we get to the place where we're not all truth? and we're not all grace, how do you put it together? So how is it that we as Christian people are going to be able to live with people and understand how to preach truth, but also understand how to preach grace, right? Or be able to have both of those things together because that was Jesus. Well, one of the ways that you can do it is start reading scripture and look how Jesus did it. One of the ways that Jesus did it is he was in relationship with people. Right, when you're in relationship with people, you have the ability to be able to talk to them about what is true, right? Like if you, like, this is what I think you need to start looking at as changing inside of your life because you need to, to understand, you know, that these are the things that, that need to change. But at the same time, when you make a mistake, I still love you and I'm gonna be in relationship with you. Was that not Jesus? Was Jesus not the person that said, I'm gonna tell you what the truth is, like this is the truth, and this is what you need to understand. But at the end of the day, if you make a mistake, Peter, and you deny me, I'm still coming back. Like if you disciples choose to do something and it's not right, I'm coming back. I think that is for us as Christian people, how do we get there, right? Well, it starts with this. Are we in relationship with people? right? Are we at a place where we can be in relationship with people? Are we at a place where these post-Christian people, like people who are in one of these chairs, you know, making their decision of why they haven't come back to, you know, being, you know, or understanding what the church looks like, are we in relationship with them? Because if you're not, and we're just saying from a distance, saying it from a distance doesn't work, 
or being there from a distance doesn't work. And so I'm gonna give you a couple things to think about as the worship team comes back up. Here's a couple things to process. How do we respond to a post-Christian generation as Christian people? So here would be your first thing, okay? So ask yourself some of these questions. One, are you having conversations with people that are sitting in one of these chairs that are keeping them from understanding a relationship with Jesus Christ? Because if you're not, how do we reach them? Right, if we're not in conversations with, with people, because I've always said this, the balance of the church has to be two things. The church needs to be a church that's reaching people, it needs to be a church that's discipling people, and it needs to be a church that's sending people out. And the church better, better be balanced that way, because if the church is all just about making people better, you know, the whole discipleship model, but then we never reach people, you know, then we're missing the boat. Or if we're just, you know, reaching them and discipling them and not training them to go back out and reach more people, then we've missed the boat too. So we have to get to the place of how do we get in relationships with people that we can talk to and have these conversations with? How do we, as Christian people, show or be like Jesus? Because I think this is the other disconnect, you know, the one that, that I had in this place, which was, Show me what a relationship looks like because I don't really know. You know what I mean? Like, what is a relationship with Christ? Does it mean that you just go to church on Sunday? Like, is that what it means? Or does a relationship with Christ mean that, you know, I go to Sunday school? Or does a relationship with Christ mean that I just become a better person? Like, show me what a relationship is, right? And I've always, you guys know this, right? Like, if you want to, give your kids the best opportunity to pick the right person to marry in their life, then be the best example of what a relationship should be. Yes. <laughs> don't miss that one. If the whole rest of this message was boring, don't miss this one. Like, if you want to give your kids to pick the right wife, or the right husband someday, and you want to teach them how to pursue and love one another every single day, regardless of the situations that are happening inside of your home, regardless of the challenges inside of your home, then be the example that they can see. Pursue each other, love each other, you know, be nice to each other, you know, do whatever it takes to be in relationship. And my question always is, is that, is that what we are showing this world is a relationship of a pursuit of, of trying to, to love Christ and be with Christ and be in relationship with him? Or are we a generation of people that have said, Jesus on Sunday and the world on Monday through Saturday and we'll be back to you, Jesus, again? Now listen, <laughs> moms and dads, if you were counseling your kids and you were telling them like, here's the way to be married and be in a relationship, you only have to pay attention to them one day a week and you'll be perfect. Anybody know how that one works out? Not very well, right? You can't ignore somebody in a relationship all week long and then say, but well, we're gonna make it up on one day a week. Why is it so much different in church? Like, why is it so much different in our relationship with Christ? Why is it that we've somehow boiled it down to an experience that happens on Sunday morning? And I'm not saying you have, but I do think part of the problem with a post-Christian generation is, is they're like, that's all I've ever seen. 
And so if I'm just gonna come and be a part of a church and do it for an hour on Sunday, like I could for sure be doing something else, right? Like you could be fishing, you could be hunting, you could be, there's lots of other things that would be more enjoyable than going to church. And so what we have to teach a generation of people and this whole idea of trusting God is, is that we gotta show them what a, what a relationship looks like. We gotta teach them what pursuit of, of Christ looks like. And we gotta show them what it, what it means to be full of grace and full of truth. And we need to be that example to the world. Will you stand so I can pray for you? So Heavenly Father, when we come to you, we would understand that um, we're living in a world that sometimes feels like it's out of control, Lord, and that it doesn't uh, always look like we can bring it back into order. And Lord, we need to walk away from this series with this idea that we know that our job isn't to bring the world into order. Our responsibility is to bring the world to you. And that we as Christian people will do that by being full of grace and truth. And we will be a generation of people who will be an example of what a relationship with you looks like. And so, Lord, I pray that you will give us the courage to live that out, that you will give us the courage to understand what it means to be full of grace and full of truth, Lord, and that we may be a light into a dark world. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.
trust is without borders let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me and take me deeper than my feet could ever wander and my faith would be made stronger in the presence of my savior and spirit So for each one of us, I think we need to process just that as we are his and as we are children of God, how do we continue to trust him in a world that uh, at times will seem out of control? How do we as Christian people show what a relationship looks like, give people the only thing that's going to change this world, and that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. So thanks for being here with us this week. Thanks for joining us online, and we'll see you guys next week.